You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hi, this is Anika Noni Rose, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. This is Lisa Joyce from Insecure, and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm Tina Mabry, producer, writer, and director, and you are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hey, this is Jada Pinkett Smith, and you're listening to Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hi, this is Daryl Bell from Planet Earth. Now, actually, I'm from a different world, school days, and, well, Chicago. There you go. I'm from there, too. And it's a joy and a pleasure to be here on the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. for tuning in to episode 160 of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host. This is a very special episode. We are featuring a new podcast at the tail end of this episode, which will be featured in the second segment. In our first segment, we sit down with actor Jason Mitchell. He's the star of the new Focus Features film called The Mustang, which was released in theaters nationwide on March 15th. Cheryl sits down for a one-on-one interview with the star. In our second segment, Janita Davis and Ricardo Hazel has a new podcast called Snowflake and the Cynic Ruin the Movies podcast. They're going to talk about the first two episodes of the star's premiere TV show called American Gods. So if you are an American Gods fanatic, then you will certainly enjoy this second half of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 160, The Mustang and American Gods. This is Jason Mitchell's second appearance on the Black Girl Nerds podcast. The last time we talked to Jason was his role as Glenn Mills in Kong Skull Island. You probably best know his work from the film Straight Outta Compton. He played the role of Eazy-E, which gave him a lot of critical acclaim. He's also appeared in dramas such as Detroit and Mudbound. And now you can see him in the film The Mustang. He plays the role of Henry. The BGM Podcast welcomes back Jason Mitchell. This segment is hosted by Cheryl Collins. So the first thing I want to say to you is you have starred in so many of my favorite things. <laughs> Thank you so much. I, I appreciate you saying that. the chai. Thank you. I loved Mudbound. Thank you. And I loved Straight Outta Compton. Thank you. You should have been nominated. I'm sorry. I'm very upset about that. I appreciate Yeah, you know, but you are. And so the first thing I want to ask you about, because uh, I have theater in my background. Okay. 
your training yeah. because you're so good at approaching your roles. What it, what is your background and your training? Um, I'm I'm really not super classically trained. Mm-hmm. I actually went to like a couple different workshops and I had a couple different coaches over the time, but I didn't start acting until I was 23. Mm. You know? So I think just me living life. You Having to just mean? make it. Hustle. Exactly. Hustle. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I want to tell you then that you have been truly given a God-given talent. Thank you. And do you have uh, any of your coaches that you thought were particularly wonderful? Man, to be honest, all of them. But all I, of them? But Jacqueline Fleming. Jacqueline right? Fleming. Yeah, she was, she was my first acting coach. Mm-hmm. And she referred me to pretty much everybody else I know. But she also like gave me the spirit of hustle when mm-hmm. it comes to acting because mm-hmm. it's a hurry up and wait game you know mm-hmm. what I mean like you gotta develop thick skin and you just gotta be tough you know mm-hmm. but she taught me everything like she taught me how to read a, a, a call sheet before I even saw a set you right, know what I mean right and gave me like little things to help me you know, because half of this is is set etiquette and right. how you treat other people and right. how you live your life and things like that. And she would always put those those sort of bugs in my ear, you know. Mm-hmm. So by the time I did touch a set, everybody was like, we just love to work with this guy. We love to work with him. Because, like, I booked one job and the next three that I booked were all just very simple roles, but all because people said that I was a great guy to work with. He's not weird around stars. Like, mm-hmm. He's great. He's great. Mm-hmm. And just constantly being referred was was kind of how it started happening. Yeah. You know? yeah. So all the all the roles I named, and I want to add your role in the Mustang to that, such different characters. Absolutely. So what was your approach as you approached Henry? Um. First of all, did you already have horse background? To be honest, my horse background is me being very afraid of horses my entire life. You know what I mean? Because not only do police ride horses in New Orleans, where mm-hmm, I'm from, mm-hmm. but uh, I saw a friend of mine get, like, ran over by a horse. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so I was just like, you know, maybe the horse thing just, you know, it's ain't for me. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, I don't think I can live We're my life without that. a horse. We know how to say, <laughs> exactly. you know what, that's not good for me. I don't need to do that. Exactly. You know, I'm straight. You know what I mean? And it was kind of that sort of thing, but... um. Lloyd was a big fan of mine, right? Mm-hmm. The director. She was a, a huge fan of mine. And when I read the script, I felt like Henry was uh, genuinely happy, which was something that kind of caught me off guard. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because I'm like, how that's, are you in jail? That's and, not the place to be happy. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. You know, so I, I, I found this sort of, this inner peace through the bond that he had with these horses. And... I made up this kind of story that, you know... You made what, a backstory. Yeah, yeah. And I made it up to where his... You know, he did have a, a sort of messed up past, but he saw himself in the next five years being out of prison mm-hmm. and, and having his own, you know, his his own sort of cowboy life. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Whatever that may come with. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think I sort of hit the mark. You know what I mean? Because when, when you watch it, I feel like... Some of the only times you laugh with me, you know oh, what yeah, I mean? I, saw like, <laughs> I cried three it. times. I was like, I know exactly what's going to happen. Why am I crying? Right. But um, it's just... It's... But you made me cry. Yeah. That was not That was not good. That was not good. 
I won't say anything about it, but it was not, <laughs> it was not nice. Yeah, yeah. You know, to, to see um, the situation that he ends up in is, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's a tough thing. But he was like a beautiful character to play with. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because it, it ended me up as not only an actor... But as a man, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It moved the needle for me in my life, mm-hmm. you know, like to overcome actual fears and to, you know, like some of this stuff I've, I wouldn't, I would not be doing mm-hmm. if I wasn't acting, you know what I mean? Isn't, and, that, isn't that amazing? Yeah. You would have never, real true you never got on a horse. <laughs> right, <laughs> like exactly, you exactly. You know, mm-hmm. and I was just like, uh, you know, this, this could actually make me a lot like like people can see me the way I see myself now, mm-hmm. you know what I mean because mm-hmm. I feel like I was really like I got 67 tattoos you know what I'm saying really yeah so I was I saw I was looking at pictures of you online yeah. and I saw one of you covered in tattoos yeah. and I wanted to ask you if that was for a role no that's you really not. have that many tattoos yeah okay. yeah so at the beginning of my career I always mm-hmm. thought like this could be the thing that's gonna mess me up if anything you know mm-hmm. and uh I just use that to sort of like make sure I stay diverse. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you're not just gonna make me out of gangster. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And you're not just gonna, you know, put me in roles where the, where the tattoos help. You know? And now, like like when I did Mudbound, like you know, I just I can always commend and take my hat off to D. Reese because she she killed it. You know? Well, that I mean? was the other thing I wanted to ask you. This movie was directed by a female too. Yeah. So, do you have any differences that you've noticed in working for women as opposed to working for men? You know, as much as they say women mm-hmm. don't know what they want, mm-hmm. I I totally disagree. I think women are very sure about what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they may not know it till they see it, but they know it exactly. You know what I mean? Like working with D. Reese, she was just like, no, nah, no. Nah. Like, I remember. Um, uh, a scene with uh, that I had with Gary Hedlund that um, we're talking about the first time like I'm telling a white guy for the first time mm-hmm. like yeah I had sex with a white woman right, you know? right. which is a really big deal like he could yeah he could click out and maybe kill me I was you know? watching the show going don't tell <laughs> right right like this could go all downhill mm-hmm. but um, shooting that scene I remember we did like maybe like five or six takes and for me that wasn't enough you mm-hmm. know what I mean I was like you know you sure and she was like trust me we got it you know but when I saw it I was completely blown away right. like wow right. you know so I learned like working with women they know exactly mm-hmm. what they want you mm-hmm. know what I mean and they, they make it smoother you know what I mean they know yeah. exactly how to talk to you and keep you like in that presence working with Catherine Bigelow was the same thing mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. just know exactly you've what they want lot, you've done a lot with female directors yeah. you really have yeah. and I don't think a lot of actors can say that because they're not they're not working a lot <laughs> this is true this <laughs> uh-huh. is true I tell people all the time like if, if I could tell my story it would not be this good mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah. like I would definitely feel like I would have to have worked up to a straight out of Compton mm-hmm. to a mud bound to all there these things go. and they just keep coming back to back you know so I feel like I gotta do my best uh-huh. you know what I mean uh-huh. like I I owe that to the universe right. you know so right. yeah it's, it's well, really cool well you are you are killing it and what I love about it is that you don't have the big movie star attitude lifestyle you don't seem to anyway yeah Maybe. Well, I mean I'm the, mm-hmm. the epitome of starting from the bottom mm-hmm. you know what I mean right. like I got when you start from the bottom you can appreciate when you get here exactly and you're not gonna 
be all puffed up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like working on set. Uh, actually, <laughs> working on the set of Mustang, they had a lot of females. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just, I, mean, I was raised to not stand around and watch females work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And as an actor, they try to like, oh, no, put you in this actor bubble. Like, oh, no, you know, don't, don't do anything. Don't help with anything. Just go to your trailer. And I'm like, I'm not that guy. You know, if they need to, if, if set needs to move, then I'm You're the guy picking up chairs. You're a southern gentleman. That's you what know, you are. That's, you know. I worked at a university in Arkansas, and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't open a door. Yeah. I couldn't carry anything heavy. Right. Southern men just don't let women right. work. <laughs> right. Right. And people are like, how do you, you know, I'm just like, you raise it. You know what I mean? Like, I still have that kind of humility where I'm like, well, you know, if my mama was here, she wouldn't approve of this. You know what I'm saying? Just me just sitting back watching all these women work. Like, right. no, that's not how you do things. And mm-hmm. I still love it, man. I still that's love it. And good. I love my women too, you know, that's so I got to take care of y'all. That's good. <laughs> and we appreciate it, Jason. We appreciate it. Um, A couple more things I want to ask you because I know your time is uh, limited. I wanted to ask you about Mr. Redford. Did he ever come on set? Did you ever have the opportunity to to meet him? I did not. You did? I did not. Not me personally. Mm -hmm. I didn't get to meet him. But they had a a few people who did get to meet him. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was a little jealous. (laughs) Yeah. I was a little jealous. But at the same time, you know, it it is... um, it's kind of it, it sort of throws a wrench in what you have going on when you when you get those sort of opinions you mm-hmm. know what I mean that like like uh, when we did Detroit we we met the real lady Julie who was really there you mm-hmm. know what I mean right and it could have went south very quickly you know what I mean but she did kind of give me something that you know made me feel good because she was like oh yeah like when she, as soon as she saw me she was like yeah you must you must be Carl. Yeah, you're that's good. That's good. You're all the, you're, you're mm-hmm. all Carl. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it makes you feel good. But mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you know that can go terribly wrong. I've mm-hmm. seen that go terribly wrong for people when people are like, no, you're doing it absolutely wrong. You mm-hmm. know, like wow. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I saw Dr. Dre blow up before. It was like Whoa. really, dude. <laughs> yeah, that would not be pretty. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Million dollars going crazy, guys. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that would be scary. Yeah, but um. Uh, it but could you feel at least his he he executive produced this movie yeah. so he must have allowed the freedom for you guys to do all the things you did absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely but I was one of those guys who tried to go over and beyond because like I said I was definitely afraid of horses mm-hmm. but I learned from from the Wranglers and you know all, all these cowboys that I worked with that the respect for the animals the only way that you get the bond right right so. I was the guy cleaning horse stables, you know what I mean? Like You clean the horse poop. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And they were like, you know, you don't have to do that, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, I don't, but... I want to create this bond. I want exactly, to my horse. exactly. Did you guys visit like any of, of those uh, programs that you all portrayed you in You know, it's crazy. I worked, like, a lot of the guys who, uh, like, the guy Thomas with the long braids, mm-hmm. he was... He was in the in in there like um they have two guys who are they're both bald they're brothers actually mm-hmm. they both spent time at that prison and you know when they, they already went, knew the program yeah they went through the program in that prison oh my yeah goodness. so it was it was crazy yeah it was crazy oh my working side by side with some of those guys mm-hmm. amazing so so did they give you insight then did you know, they work that program while they were in the prison yeah yeah mm-hmm. but the the 
the best insight they gave me, and I actually met the guy who trained them as well, which mm-hmm. was way more interesting. Mm-hmm. But um, they were the the feedback that I needed. I feel like like because they already respected me as an actor and mm-hmm. things like that. But for me to be able to bond with those guys, and for me to be able to put a smile on those guys' face. Oh, it's what really mattered to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like every day they were just smiling from ear to ear. You know, and like mm-hmm. welcoming, welcoming them. Well, I'm sorry, welcoming them into what we have going on. You know, in in the acting world is is a challenge. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So to be able to keep a smile on their face and keep them super happy about it was, it was it was a blessing. Oh, that's it great. Was a blessing. That's really great. Yeah. Um, watching the movie, Jason, the movie really took its time yeah. to let you fall in love with the characters. They didn't force or push any moments. Right. And I really found that refreshing. Yeah. Because usually there's tricks in movies like this to yeah. make it, okay, he's he's the angry guy. Right. He's the, <laughs> right. He's the comic relief. And right, you know, with a great big ball of foreshadowing. There you go, yeah. yeah. So I really enjoyed that part about this movie. It took its time. It right. had its own pacing. Right. And, it would, and it was so much more real yeah. because of that. And yeah. I really enjoyed it because of that. Yeah, because like one thing I really loved about Henry and about Matthias's character for that mm-hmm. for that matter. Um, it was kind of like when I played Easy E. He was like that villain that you fell in love with. You fell in love with. Yeah, him. you know what I mean. You I just was wanted crying to love him. Yeah. when he like, no, died. He finally got his shit together. Don't do that. Uh-huh, you know what I mean? uh-huh. And that's kind of how you feel about Henry. You right. know what I mean? Right. Like, Right. This cat is still in the, the academy, but only because he has to. You know what I mean? Like, you're thinking of excuse after excuse. Right. Room, you know what I mean? Right. Even though he's this prisoner, you're like, I love this kid. Someone bought him my love. And then know? for me, being a, a black woman and seeing a black man in prison, I'm not sure he did whatever they said he, they put him in prison for. Exactly. You know what I'm exactly. <laughs> he can be innocent the right. whole time. Right. Like, I know, I've known so many people that have gone to prison for absolutely no reason. Right. You know? So... Um, that didn't bother me at all. Right. That didn't bother me at all. Yeah. So yeah, it was very easy. Okay, what's next? Anything on the on the horizon? Um, on the well, out the for? shy the shy does drop. Um, Again. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. April seventh, it'll mm-hmm. be it'll be back, and mm-hmm. it's gonna be dope. It's gonna be super electric. Oh, that's. But cool. um, I'm also working on this film, uh, Desperados. Which mm. is, is gonna be cool. It's gonna be for my first rom com. Okay. So it's a different. It's another different face of Jason Mitchell. You know what I mean? So do you cool. get to have the girl in it? I do. All right. I will be looking for desperados. That'll be fine. All right. So you're doing good, man. Yeah. And I just love watching you thrive, and I just love your work. Our next segment is with Janita and Ricardo as they dive in on American Gods. So we're going to start this off. Um, This is the podcast that's tentatively named The Snowflake and the Senate Ruin the Movies. I am the Snowflake, the millennial black girl nerd, Janita Davis. I am the Cynic Generation X. Rick Hazel, the vaudeville villain. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and he's from the Shadow League. Um, yes, that's where I'm from. Yes. <laughs> our partner in crime on this, on this one. And we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks, hopefully, um, the American Gods show, the second season. So um, hopefully you guys can hang with us and um, kind of go along with this as we debate and talk and hash out and completely take apart and ruin American Gods for you. Yes. Ruin American Gods, uh, one of the best series of its kind in television history. And we're going to dissect it from our own uniquely certain narcissistic points of view. <laughs> <laughs> speak for yourself about the narcissistic. <laughs> I will speak for myself. <laughs> okay. So um, so we're going to dive right in. Um, season two premieres March 10th. We were granted some screeners, um, which were delicious. They were great. They were so great. Um, yes. And so the, the, we're going to be talking this in this podcast about episodes one and two of season two, um, because they're so loaded. There's so much, and there's so much oh, overlap. Man. Yeah. Like they're, they're just so, uh, they're just so loaded. Uh, not only with just so much, uh, you know, story, uh, evolution, uh, but character evolution and, you know, the effects in the first two episodes from, from a, a visual effects perspective were, were outstanding. Uh, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm getting carried away, but it's just, uh, okay, all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't give too much away yet. Not yet, not yet. Yeah, oh, um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, there, it was just so much, and there's so much overlap um, that we found ourselves talking about episodes one and episodes two, kind of bleeding them together. So we're going to talk about them together in this podcast um, coming up. And, um, we hope that you enjoy. I'm sure they will. The Black Girl Nerds podcast will be back right after this brief message. There's something you guys have got to check out that I think is going to be beneficial for you. And with summer coming up, you're going to thank me for it. It's called Open Fit. It takes all of the complexity out of losing weight and getting fit. It's a brand new, super simple streaming service. Think of it like Netflix for workouts that allows you to work out from the comfort of your living room in as little as 10 minutes a day. That's right, so why should you check it out? Well, OpenFit has amazing trainers and classes, it's super simple, you can access it anywhere, anytime, and you can get the results you can see. Lose up to 15 pounds in just 30 days. So when I started this program, I started off small and simple. Yoga, some aerobics, easy 10, 15 minute workouts, workouts that just wouldn't overwhelm me to be quite honest with you and I really liked that. Also in the OpenFit dashboard what I really like is there's instructions and there's blog posts that give you information about what you're doing and as you're doing. So for example if you want to go ahead and start a nutritional plan while you're doing these workouts you can get recipes for different kinds of shakes and different kinds of meals. Um, I also like that there's a lifestyle section, and in that lifestyle section, they have blog posts. One particular one that stood out to me was eight of the best workout bras for busty women. I am a busty woman, and I need to know what is the right bra that I should be using when I'm doing my workout. 
And trust me, this is going to be something that's gonna be worth your time to invest in. OpenFit really has changed the way I work out. And with my code BGN, you can join me on a fitness journey personalized just for you. Again, use the code BGN and start using OpenFit for your journey to a healthier life. You can actually start the OpenFit 30-day challenge. Listeners of the Black Girl Nerds podcast will get a special extended 30-day trial to a membership for free with OpenFit. When you text BGN to 303030, that's BGN to 303030. Listeners of the Black Girl Nerds podcast will get a membership 30-day free trial membership. And you can get full access to OpenFit. All workouts, nutritional information, totally free. Think about it. 15 pounds in 30 days. If you're able to achieve that, you will have lost weight before the summertime hits. So get on top of this. Go ahead and start right now. Get that 30-day free trial membership. All you have to do is text BGN to 303030 and you can get full access to OpenFit. So um, we're going to start with just a little bit of a summary of um, the episode. So, and Ricky, you can help me with that, with this. Um, well, um, the, well, we wanted to start off uh, with the summary. And basically the first episode of the season is bringing threads uh, that were left dangling uh, from the season finale of last season and tying them together. Uh, and letting you know uh, what's real. Uh, you know, a Wednesday, uh, is it's, he is definitively, yes, he is a god. Uh, the, the individuals that he is rolling with, yes, they are definitively supernatural individuals, and Shadow Moon is aware of that at this point. Uh, you know, like no one else in the story, actually. And we're beginning to see just how important of a character uh, and an individual that Shadow Moon is, and and it's just going to be thrilling to watch. Yeah, um, I think during the first season he was almost like this glorified bouncer. We didn't really know. We knew he fit, and he had like a he had a a meaning, and he had a purpose, and there was a connection. But I think it's in season two that we find out what that connection really is. Um, and and like you said, the the. The, we know the gods are really gods. There's no playing around. There's no, is he, is Mr. Wednesday a con man or magician or is he just, you know, really good at just laying it on pretty thick? No, we know he, we know he's a god. We know he's Odin and we know he's very, very powerful, powerful. And the rest of these, these players out there, they're all magical. Um, and the dead wife is dead. Um, <laughs> more moon. We'll get to her. Um, so some people who've been reading my, my articles on, um, American gods know how I feel about her. Um, we'll get to that. Um, but, um, but yeah, the, I think now the, the, everything is, is like, everything's been pulled back. The curtains open. There's no, is this real? Is this not? Maybe probably, um, type of thing going on. Um, this is, you know, everything's all, all out in the open and it seems like the war between the new gods and the old gods is kind of. Um, kind of peeling things back for not just oh. us, the audience, but the rest of the world inside of the 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 show. Um, and yeah, with with within the sphere of the film, uh, you know, the, even like right away, the, the the scope is broadened, and we're made aware of individuals outside of the immediate uh, 
uh, camera's eye view, of, if, if you will, of the show. Uh, and we and we see that you know this is uh, it, the stakes are are high on a global scale, um, and it's just like you know the 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 war. It, it's no longer a cold war. It's no longer. It, it is. It is visceral. It is real. It is bloody, and that is made apparent really fast. Yeah. Um, and the first two episodes. Um, so the first two episodes are called the house. The house on the rock. That's the premiere. That's coming out March 10th, and the beguiling man, which is March 17th. So the house on the rock, for readers out there. Neil Gaiman, American Gods, the book nerds like me who are out there, this is what we've been waiting for. Because the House on the Rock is where this big meeting of all the old gods takes place. But it's this, in the book, it's, it's described as this huge rambling, uh, almost like a TARDIS-like um, structure that is big, that is this house that is huge on the inside that keeps on growing and growing as you go in. And then there's this carousel that leads you to another world. All of this is inside this this little mon roadside monument. And you know, not in, in addition to the carousel, there's all kinds of little oddities. Some of them pretty morbid, you know, and a lot of them just just weird. And mm -hmm. um, we learned that you know oddities for all over the U.S. Um, that's where kind of the power of you know the gods is kind of you know the the power is kind of just uh you know kind of located and centralized and focused and you know some of these little odd little roadside little places are just magnets for for this you know really weird charge um they talk about disney which is yeah really weird um but in any way um the house on the rock is something that um it, it described in the book you kind of there's all kinds of ways that you that it could you know be but um seeing it for the first time on screen i think um was something that i i really enjoyed and i'm really glad it, it, to me they kind of kept to um my what i expected actually it went beyond what i expected um yeah just the, the yeah the manifestation of the house on the rock and in, in on in the first episode it, it really was breathtaking uh and it it almost was if it alluded to how the wonder and curiosity of humans just, you know, powered this place and made it even more of a, a nexus point uh, at which this play, uh, pardon me, at which uh, the, the gods can convene and 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 ride this this time and space altering device, if you will, uh, into another realm. Uh, and, and and again, it was it was very very interesting to to see it come together on screen uh it's like it, you can't imagine how something would look uh you can imagine it based off your own uh imagination of course but seeing someone put it together on screen it it, it was breathtaking yes it was um and so we we get into the backstage where the faces of the gods the human faces of the gods come off where they're mm -hmm. no longer like um you know in the whole first season and in and part of this first episode you see you know some of the gods one's a maid um mm -hmm. you see um they're they're different they're day jobs if you want to call them that um but their faces come off and you see them in their regalness 
and and in the and their fearsomeness. Yes, in their original. Uh, not, oh, okay, all right, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and Nancy just looked incredible, but okay. Okay. He did, didn't he? And it, then it was a beautiful <laughs> manifestation. It was excellent. And 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 you know you see and and you see them just as magnificent as you it would imagine a god would be. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and I have to say, I was um I was amazed to see so many of them were people of color. I mean, I, there were like there were not. It wasn't a bunch of just white people and painted up like, and you know <laughs> in feathers and but stuff. With, but you know, from an anthropological perspective, most of the gods in the history of the world were either women or people of color dating back to the Neolithic era. So, you know, this getting nerdy, but this modern rendition of what a god should look like, that's only like maybe three or four thousand years old. Maybe going back ten thousand years uh to Mesopotamia. Uh but in the over the course of human history, yeah. Uh, what gods looked like were tended to be people of color. So again, you know, just the attention to detail and and even the intimacy uh, with the material that the all involved with it uh, seemed to convey just for me makes American Gods all inspiring. I yes. mean, I know that's a bit much, but it, I'm all inspired by this creative work. Well, well, yeah, and, and you know, you talk about how how far back the history goes, and you, well, I think we forget that the gods that they're depicting are actually gods that are you know found in the history books and that are talked about in other in different cultures and and you know some of these names are familiar uh mm -hmm. to a lot of people um and but the the you know the depiction in hollywood that we see is only only goes back to you know what the 30s you know um with yeah. And, and you know, and that's the, the white and television. everything, you know. Um, yeah, I'm so, sorry. Go ahead. So, uh, oh, I was just saying that we've gotten so used to when we see even gods depicted on screen, they're white people, and you know, and, and white people in the jewelry and in the 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 garb um, of the of some other culture mm -hmm. to see all of these pe people. Yes, a uh, uh, cultural uh, god appropriation, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. Again, but when you go all the way back and you go back to, you know, Liz Taylor's is, you know, and God bless Liz Taylor, and God bless the dead, rest in peace. But Liz Taylor, that's Cleopatra, and then you yeah. look at the farce that was Gods of Egypt, mm -hmm. the only brother on it was Chadwick Boseman. Like, you know, it was like, thank God, you know, Black Panther washed the stench of that off of him. It just yeah. like, you know, just <laughs> it just mad, mad disrespectful that film was. And yeah. and this is why some again, keep going back to it, this is why something like American God is unprecedented. It is unprecedented. Yes. Um uh, in television history, you know. So Yeah. Yeah. You see the you see the the gods in the culture played by the people from the culture that yep. they originated from which is and it seems like such a simple remedy but right. you never see it you never see it you know? why i mean why the gin the gin yeah, um, all the gin all the gin yeah. is outstanding he, just just like you would you would expect that he's very passionate he uh -huh. thrives off emotion he'll try to kick your ass if he think in front you know just like you know I would imagine a, a jinn who would take human form would be. 
yeah. would be passionate. He not would be almost on the edge of out of control, and he right. would not be a white guy. Exactly. Um, Most of all. Yeah, he's he's played by Musa Kresh. I if yeah. I, I I apologize for the name if I pronounced it wrong. But um but who is uh if you follow Musa on uh Twitter, he's hilarious. Um but he plays the djinn in a magnificent portrayal, but mm-hmm. this is not a white guy playing this. And you and like you said, do you think it would be a simple remedy to go to that to the culture, find an actor who, you know, is from that you know that that maybe even the region, the the you know mm-hmm. from where this de- you know derived from, and just put them in those shoes. But it, you know this is like something that's phenomenal. We're talking about this right now because it's not been done. So um, right. so yeah, this is amazing. It's amazing stuff. And and I just had to to say that you know that that kind of reveal right in the premiere kind of says mm-hmm. a lot. I think about where we're gonna go this um, season and just right. how diverse all of our stories are gonna be. So, right. which is great. Um, I want to talk about one of the things that went on back in the backstage while we're looking at all this finery of all the, the gods. We yes. get um, our our girl, Bilquis. My, well, my girl, mm-hmm. Bilquis. I love her. Oh, I, she, yeah, I, I love her too. Yeah. And I love the, the actress uh, that portrays her. Uh, pardon me. Oh yeah, um, I have to say her name now. <laughs> uh, yeah. How do you pronounce it? Yeah, uh, Yatidi Badami. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had it right. Well, what do you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she, she, she is outstanding, and she just, she just seems. I, I, I mean, I guess this is cultural for me, and her being a dark-skinned Af- woman of African descent. So I guess yeah. it's cultural for me. But mm-hmm. she just exudes regality. She just exudes majesty even when she yeah. speaks it's almost she's speaking in these whispered tones mm-hmm. to where you know you feel that you, you, you it is a matter of worship almost to, to stoop to listen to what she's saying what she just this breathy dialogue that she has and it's just mm-hmm. like wow yes and but you know and 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 the thing the thing is here she's commanding the whole room as a matter of fact from the moment she stepped in to the house on the rock, mm-hmm. people were bowing and, and tiptoeing, and she is the, yeah. she she you know just being around her, um, she exudes that type of power even over Odin himself. I mean, mm-hmm. you can tell he has beef with her. <laughs> he knows mm-hmm. what she he knows. There's something that she's up to uh, being there, but yep. there's no way he's going to say that to her. Her face, because, not to her face, because yeah, no. her power is is the power of 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 love and lust and and mm-hmm. climax like yeah. he knows who, he can be eaten yeah yeah exactly <laughs> who's gonna who's, who's fighting that right like, that right. is that is mankind's first god you know <laughs> like literally and figuratively right there so yeah. you're gonna lose and they and they know their place so they just let her speak yep. and i what fell out of her mouth i was like so shocked but not, I mean, kind of, because in the book, we kind of see this a little bit, how mm-hmm. she sort of aligned herself with the new gods. And she's like yeah. trying to get them, everyone, all the old gods to do the same, saying that, you know, hey, if we get, they, all they want to do is help us out. If we can just listen to them, they're going to help us and they'll find a new way for us to exist, you know, because she's found a new existence um, herself. Mm-hmm. 
working with um, the technical um, technical boy and uh, with yeah. media. Um, she's found a, a way to, you know, get her worshipers and, and to, um, to revitalize herself. And she's thinking that she's, I, I don't know. Okay. So here's why I'm conflicted. Is she thinking that, you know, the new gods are genuinely going to help them or is she, um, in I on think she's using the, the new gods to empower herself because again, she's the goddess of love and lust and climax. So, and that never gets old. So to project that using media to mankind, she's going to reignite belief in them. This is hypothetical, of course. I don't have any insight on this. Yes. <laughs> but uh, it, it could possibly revitalize her in a way that makes her pow more powerful than all of them. So, so perhaps she, she, have self, she has self-interest at heart. Yeah. Well, it could be. And she believes all the hype. So you think she believes the hype that, you know, yes, the new gods are going to help us out. No, I, I, think, I think she's going to use them to a point and try to become powerful enough to destroy all, but of course, media. Uh, but again, you know, speculation. Um, okay. You know, it, it, I mean, I'm, I'm just going off of what I, uh, I believe I know of human psychology and what human beings find important and again love and lust and sex mm -hmm. or media that's kind of that's kind of, well they they go hand in hand yeah they go they hand in hand they did. in the modern era uh yeah. we'll definitely see that in a later episode not gonna say mm -hmm. anything more but no um, revenge no revenge <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, but, um, but yeah. Okay. So, so I, okay. I can believe that. I can believe that because when I watch this and I'm like, I'm sitting here, I'm like, okay, is this woman, does this woman have a, a game plan that she's not revealing to everybody mm -hmm. or is she believing the hype? Is she being played? I didn't want our girl to be played. I was hoping she wow. wasn't being played. No, um, she, she got a plan. I bet. I bet she makes money. this powerful speech you know mm -hmm. and, and a good and, but you know of course the, the old guys are like yeah whatever chick you know <laughs> we're not probably expected them to say that yeah um it was probably just was like a courtesy you know she probably so. expected them to be like nah you know that's why the limo was already out oh. yep yep Yep, yep, never mind. <laughs> I almost gave it away. It's why spoiler out there. I almost got a spoiler out there. But um, yeah, there she there's behavior in the first episode uh that could uh bring all of these things to light for, for any listeners who might be uh wondering why we're being uh especially careful not to reveal spoilers. Yeah, we're we're not too many of them anyway. Yeah, not, not too many. Too many. But yeah. but yeah okay so so Bill Quist I mean she's still queen and yes. he's still yes, living. Um, this is from the book now. From the book, uh, she 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 doesn't um do fare very well in mm -hmm. the the second part after too long after the rock. But I have it. Um, on very good authority that she lives on in the second mm -hmm. season. So, um, very very happy about that. Um, so um. So we're moving on from her. Um, so they they have their meeting and they're done. Um, and so the rest of the episode, um, we see them celebrating together the, the old gods. We see Shadow Moon. 
our our um our our guy that you know who we we watched through the first um season just kind of um finding himself and we see the dead wife the one that mad sweeney calls the dead wife laura moon dead wife the dead wife yes and so we see them interacting um while the old the old gods are interacting in this first episode we also get a glimpse uh, though before they even get to the 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 house on the rock of laura because you remember in the first season laura was trying to catch him she caught him once you know, and then, you know, they kind of got, you know, away from one another and then, you know, got back up with the, with them again at Easter's. They're mm-hmm. together in the backseat of the car in the very beginning, in the beginning of the episode, uh, toward the beginning of this episode. And we see them kind of interacting and it don't look like love. <laughs> no, he is not, he is not trying to have anything uh, to do with her. Uh, I just think that it is, it, it is, it's funny how, incredibly uh privileged the character is behaving uh, after doing all of these incredibly awful things her her privilege alone is what willed her back from the dead her privilege alone is what you know made her her be able to to get into a situation where you know she's getting close enough to him to to maybe convince him that she should take him back I mean, the coin, yes, fate had it that the coin fell to her, um, but... He gave it to her. You know. Yeah, he gave it to her, remember? He threw it in her grave. Shadow. That's right. That's Shadow threw it in her grave. Yeah, Pardon me. I'm just to say fate would have it that the coin fell to him. Yeah. Pardon me. Yeah. Fate would have it that the coin fell to him, but she got it, you know? And so I, I feel like like in a way she she almost is willing herself back into from the grave into his even though he gave her the stone i'm pardon me the, the coin like almost like he's willing she's willing herself uh back into deserving uh, to be alive and not just that deserving to be with him even though she didn't appreciate him uh, while she was still alive I don't even know if it's about deserving it. I think she she thinks that she's entitled to him and really? and his and him to her life to everything because to me to me and you know mm-hmm. the black girl nerds fans know that from reading if they've read anything that I've written on American God season one I don't like her I don't like Laura Moon so I think um, to me a, she's like a, a hilarious me. character uh, she's she, funny yeah she is she's funny she is hilarious. Yeah. But yeah. she embodies the white womanness of everything. Like she, I mean, <laughs> like everything that you you. I mean, all like there's so many Twitter memes that you talk about. You know where they talk about just you know the white women, the quintessential basic white woman hood, mm-hmm. and you know, and and she's all of that. And oh, she, you're, so you're you know, trying to say she's got a mashed potato perspective? Yes. Uh, <laughs> kind of that mayo outlook on life yeah. yes yeah, and so you know and, and she feels like she's entitled to everything i deserve to have a soul okay let's let's hold on just a second i got it two okay um do what charlie says go bye all right we may get some background sound effects for a little bit i apologize um <laughs> 
Um, they are really, really trying to put a soundtrack to this. Um, just a second. Let me, let me pause. Just a second. Okay. So, um, so yeah, to me, she's back to Laura Moon. Um, she, to me is the, you know, she feels like she's entitled to things just by being here. You know, shadow is hers. She had him. She married him. That never mind the what the the manner in which she died, which was yeah, which would somebody have, else's uh you know, yeah. in her situation. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, And I mean, it was infidelity. It's it, you know, it yeah. would have ended the with his a best friend. I mean, I think in any normal circumstances, it would have ended whatever love marriage they had. But no, mm-hmm. to her it didn't end her so she's going after him and she he's hers he belongs to her and i to and to me she just you know just kind of she she's inserting herself into so many places and making so many things so difficult for yep. everyone and, and the for everyone world. it's like p nobody wants her around yeah. you know least of all shadow nobody asks for you, you know, <laughs> Nobody asks for you. You keep popping up in places where you're not supposed to be. You yeah. think that you know it is your uh, you're entitled to participate. Even 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 when they went to the house, mm-hmm. you know she thought that she was entitled to participate. You know, oh well, I you know even though the gin was was he was furious at the fact that she was even there. Minor spoiler, guys. Minor spoiler. Um, the gin was. They furious. told her not to go in the house. Remember Wednesday told her not to even go in? Yeah, that's right. That's right. He said, you can't even come in. And she went in the house because why? Her entitlement and privilege guided her. Her uh, her mashed potato mayonnaise privilege, you know, pushed her to do such. Uh And, you know, that's what happened. And But as a character, it's funny. For me, it's funny because I know... And uh, you know, I and I don't I don't get this from from the book because actually you know I did not read the book. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm only aware of the phenomenon that is the television show. So I don't know whether you know this is pertinent or not uh, within the actual canon. Uh, but I feel like you know, you know the the just the the dark humor and the sarcastic manner uh, of of a lot of the material within the series at least needs to believe that she's going to lose in a comical way. Um, because she's just so entitled and she's just such a pain in the ass to everybody. You're going to lose in a really comical way. And yeah. that's, that's what I'm guessing at. But, you know, uh, and, and that's part of the way that makes me, uh, part of the reason I'm interested in her. And I think she, she's so funny because I just got the feeling she's about to get it. And I'm going <laughs> to wait for that. Well, we can only hope. And, and, yeah. and I know that um, one of the things that's kind of curious, though, I think that Matt Sweeney, the leprechaun, the one who's lucky coin is inside of her i, I think, think he got a crush yeah i'm thinking yeah. like yeah like he's all of a sudden like he gives her like a tiny little pep talk and uh-huh. like you know he he's he's sticking around he's not insulting her as much and like it's almost as if he's he gives a damn uh about you know this rotting sack as as, as he's <laughs> adamantly called her in season one is rotting sack of flesh mm-hmm. uh but it you know it, it seems like it might be more than you know i just want to get my coin back you yeah. know it's starting to look like you know his interest is beyond give me my magic coin back and, yes you know and that plays out in episode one as well yeah but at the end of episode one she loses her shadow 
Um, and you guys will have to watch to find out how. And she has yep. to go after him again, but this time she's paired with Wednesday. Yeah. Um, so that gets very, very interesting. Um, it does. Oh, but okay, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, seeing them, the the her having to travel with him, that's going to be very interesting. Right? Yeah. So I think she's going to get a lot of her comeuppance. But um, I do have to say, though, I know a lot of people see Laura as the ultimate survivor and how, you know, she's so bold and she's so determined. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I I'm can see sorry, how you I'm sorry. It, Everybody's opinion is valid. Yes, yes. Everybody's opinion is valid. I can see yeah, what they're saying, though, true. a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, if I blink over my head sideways, stand up, you know. <laughs> but um, from a humanist, from a humanist, forgiving standpoint, yes, I understand that. Okay. But within the context of this dark world, yeah, nah, she got to go. <laughs> she got to go. Yes, and she's the only. Yeah. Okay, look at it this way: she's the okay. only person sticking her nose into everything, everything, feeling she's entitled to everything, and she's the white girl doing it. Isn't it always waka waka waka? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So, um, Laura Moon, the dead wife. I, we're not done with her by a long shot. Yeah. Um. Nah. So, um, but from her to Shadow. Now, oh, Shadow. Um, in the first episode, yeah, we see him with Laura, and he's like, um, uh, uh-uh, uh, um. Thank you. Next, um, is that the name of the song? Um, so, <laughs> but um, so he um, he kind of, but he he's um, the human witness to the backstage mm-hmm. to all those gods. Mm-hmm. Um, he comes out and he's a changed man, mm-hmm. and he comes out and he's he's also a caged man once again. Um, he finds mm-hmm. himself imprisoned by the new gods um, at the end of the episode one. So episode two, we kind of venture into another realm where oh we're inside goodness. Shadow's mind and his history. And this is where I think this really starts to shine. So we finally, we thought we knew who this guy was in the mm-hmm. beginning, in the first episode. You know, this ex-con, you know, who his wife, this girl who's got him into all this trouble and he still loves her and it's like, dude, wake up. And then he gets in with this con man. But really, we don't know a whole lot about him until episode no, no. two so right. episode two what 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 you know you 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 kind of oh my goodness oh my goodness weird. episode two i would have never imagined that they would go so culturally uh african-american so culturally black with some of the th- thematics within the storyline in episode two uh accord as far as shadow moon's childhood and early life in america is concerned you know, they show him, you know, coming to the hood and, you know, he's a light-skinned dude. He's a friendly dude. Mm-hmm. That gets you jumped and beat up. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. That gets you jumped and beat up. Nobody wants to talk to you. Nobody wants to be your friend. His mother so so beautifully explained to him that those kids, you know, the cops that broke up the fight, you know, those people, they believe, they grew up all their lives believing certain things about the other people involved in that situation, and that they all, at the end of the day, they just wanted to feel important. Mm-hmm. But Shadow, being a kid, he, of course, you know, he, you know, he internalizes it because, you know, again, like I said, it's so culturally, you know, black and, and urban, if you will, um, that, you know, 
as we go on, we see that being in the hood toughens him up. And actually, he goes to look for fights. Mm-hmm. To, you know, he, he looks to become the hero after being the victim. He just, you know, gets stronger and stronger as a physical force. And we see how this heroism is the root of who he truly is within the context of the story. You know, he represents, you know, uh, the best in humanity, in my opinion. Yeah. You're willing to fight for the little guy, you know, where the rest of the world wants to take advantage of the weak, he wants to protect the weak. Mm-hmm. You know, where the rest of the world would like to run from danger, he runs toward danger. You know, it, it, it says a lot of really, really powerful and, and, and really, really, why I feel culturally sensitive things to say about black males within this context. Right. And it, I, I was actually shocked to see it. I mean, mm. uh, <laughs> it's like, are they really showing this? And his mom, yeah. I mean, let me just say his oh mom. Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, okay, go ahead. Intelligent. Um, she's just, and she's very, I mean, with him, she's so gentle and she's so loving, but she's so realistic and she's, mm-hmm. you know, telling him how it really is. Um, and I really, I really love that bond he had with his mother and how tender it was and it shows um a little another side of him and how you know mm-hmm. how that sensitive part of him maybe you know kind of was was nurtured through her yeah yeah you know that sensitive part of him i mean and, and we you know that's where you know for a lot of us that's where we we learn uh, to love we we you know for a lot of males we learn to that that softness that sensitiveness we, we learn it from our mothers and when we see that play out you know, on a television show, even if it is some, something that is so well produced, directed, and acted as American Gods, you know, when you see that play out, you know, something that's so unprecedented in, in American television, it you have to point that out, you know, yes. that they put the forth the effort to, to depict these individuals, not only in a realistic light, but a specifically African-American culturally relevant spotlight. And it was like, wow. Yeah. I mean, you've got black boy, black boy in the hood, black boy versus cops. You know, mm-hmm. he's finding out, you know, he really, really got his blackness handed to him that, in that one yep. day. They beat his blackness <laughs> to him that one day. Yeah. Yep. And then yep. it, it was kicked off from there. It's almost like, you know, becoming face to face with his own blackness activated his hero's journey, you know? Boom. Boom, boom. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Uh, did I say <laughs> so so yeah I just I mean I just kind of marveled in this little episode I mean and and this is all taking this is all a flashback so the stuff that's happening in the present day I won't give too much of that away but yeah. I mean it's not good I mean this is not coming from a place of um of just comfort no this he these memories are coming from trauma torn from him yeah, they're being torn from him. And I won't want to illustrate that. Uh, I'll let you see for yourself. These images are being torn from him uh, in, in an interrogation setting. So it's not like it's these are things that he's readily wanting to remember. Mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting to see where the character goes from here. You know, having these memories torn from him. And he's like, it's like he's brand new uh, to the audience. And so it's interesting where they'll take him. Yes. Um, and, and so, and I think he's going to be brand new to um brand new as a character i mean you can't go this far back and this deep and have this much revelation mm-hmm. um about yourself and where you came from and 
we see, did you see the glimpse of Wednesday in the flashback? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Do you think that's too much of a spoiler? You think? Uh, well, they kind of give it away in the book, but you know, there's glimpses. Yeah. I didn't say what he was doing or nothing. I just yeah. he's yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he's around. I mean, he's, he's around. around. Yeah, and you can he's see around. him. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, okay, okay. Who that is? That's just my baby daddy. Yeah. <laughs> is that dated or what? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, is it made they saying some stuff? They saying uh-huh. some stuff. Yes, they saying yes, some yes, stuff, yes. and I think it's dope. I think it's all dope. All I of think, it. Yeah, I think I in seeing it in science, in you know, a fantasy science fiction fantasy show, um, mm-hmm. something that's so um, it, it's so it's it's it, along with everything else. The show, the show is doing it is is doing great things. It's doing great things. I just have to say. Um, and with shadow um and and even like i said even in the the first episode where he's like standing there in awe and we're in awe of the gods and we're seeing this i think all of this is going to end up changing him and i think we're going to like again i think it's part of his hero's journey and i think we're at a point where he's like really being shown that there's more to him than just just what's human just what he's been striving for and and you know, kind of like, you know, he's seeing just what, what all is at stake at this point. Mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah. And like it, it's no longer, uh, you know, as we stated uh, previously mo- on multiple occasions, it's no longer simply, uh, you know, uh, something where he's still trying to figure out. It's all mm-hmm. concrete, cold steel, mm-hmm. in your face reality. Now it has mm-hmm. to change him now. Yeah. It has to, uh, you know, of course, like one of the one of the uh, earliest things that we learned about story writing is, you know, you know, catalyst has to change the character, and, mm-hmm. and you know that catalyst, of course, you know, will eventually lead to the change of the character, and the character then, you know, takes another path along the story arc. It has to change him. You can't come across adversity of this magnitude and not be changed. So yeah, something yeah. is about to happen. And I and I think I hope that um, and this kind of I hope that you know we that we see something well not really hope but I, I know that if we see this catalyst this early on there's eight mm-hmm. episodes mm-hmm. but we see this catalyst happening in episode two there's going to be some tremendous things mm-hmm. happening by eight. big time reveals oh yeah big oh time yeah reveals. and this kind of oh. parallels the first um see the first season remember early on that whole thing yeah yes had happened to kind of get him you know he was kind of had his nose in the ground he was kind of mourning him laura and you know um in his life and you know kind of having his own little pity party and then all of a sudden he's starting up in a tree um (laughs) (laughs) that that kind of brings you outside of yourself you know when you're kind of placed in this historic historically black um historically viscerally tragic um place um it, it kind of says some things and does some things to you and it did some things to him and to change him um i i wonder i just i just wonder how he's going to come out of this you know now oh, wow yeah so mm. um and so you know the rest of this um new gods we we, we haven't mentioned new gods um what they're doing in the background um they're in the background trying to recuperate because you had Easter. She just kind of blew everybody to pieces last season. Yeah. And, 
and the the first the the first thing we see on this first episode um episode one is uh, technology boy and uh, mr world trying to racing across a golf course <laughs> wondering if they're trying to you know kind of doing a 45 reference you know to you know kind of yeah. you know a mar-a-lago type of thing i'm wondering yeah. i don't know and don't but know. they're <laughs> yeah and they're bringing in a new another god another mm-hmm. one that's all knowing all eyes um i'll say that much um yeah oh and this oh this god oh yeah yeah yeah. and and the name the name is argus that i mean i wonder if it has anything okay so when i hear argus i think automatically automatically i think of dc um argus Mm. um yeah the the you know that shadowy you know uh military type of yeah, I think of a I, I think of a, a military uh weapon. Like when I think of Argus, I think of some top secret weapon. And let's Everything, face it, yeah. these mm-hmm. sorts of things are the gods of highly industrial industrialized nations. Yes. These so-called super weapons, these weapons that nobody these are gods to the, to, to millions of people. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's nuclear weapons that keep the rest of the world up at night. For millions of Americans, nuclear weapons is what makes us sleep. Yes. You know, because we know nobody's going to attack us with all these nukes. Yeah. You know, so yeah, these sort of super weapons are like gods in a lot of respects. You know, spy satellites, you know, Mm -hmm. you know anything and anywhere in the world at any time. Yes, like an enemy of the state type of thing. Exactly. Nuclear sub. You can kill anybody in the world at any time. Yes. People believe that that is a godly power. Yes, you know? the fact that so, they brought that in as a guide. I mean, I was like, that's a that's genius. That is genius. Gene, brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. And and, and that kind of that's that and that is exactly how they how they end episode one with breaking up the, the old gods and Shadow and Laura and sending everybody on their um just kind of busting up the crowd again at the end of episode one. Um and and I'll, I won't you know give away too much on what actually happens, but it's they use Argus to do it, and and then in and in the second episode when they're you know kind of probing Shadow's like history and his his mind um, for for information and detail, um, that too is you know shadowy dark you know yeah. type of you know or stuff of urban legends you know so, so right. Oh, Argus New God thing is um, really intriguing, and I'm, I'm like, um, I'm seeing how they're using it now, and I'm wondering how it's going to be used later on. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's one thing I wanted to note is the New Gods have like a new kind of um, sidekick, and media is oh yeah 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 we need to mention that. Um, oh, wow, media's missing media is missing, media is gone, right? Media is gone. Yep. <laughs> uh, world is world is world sent Tech Boy out and told him to find media. Find media. Find yeah. media. Um. So, um. And we all know. We all heard the news about um, uh, Jillian Anderson um quitting last. Uh, you know, after she's not not returning for season two. So we knew yeah. that you know there was going to be a change, but the whole media is missing. I mean, can you imagine what would happen if we lost like um, 
all of the video, all of the, yeah, media if, on the if, internet. If media was missing, then the whole modern society would crumble and none right. of the new gods would matter. Right. The media was missing. They couldn't even connect. Nobody would know about them. Right, right. So they have to, it's like imperative that media is found. It yeah. has to be. But media, as we've we've learned throughout history, uh, going from the phonograph to you know the record player and you know the radio and TV and internet. Yeah, media, media evolves. Yeah, media is a chameleon. Mm-hmm. Media changes to adapt to any situation. Mm-hmm. So, so media yeah. media may not be lost. Media may just be hiding. So, exactly. so yeah, um, and that was an interesting arc too. Um, but with uh, so. So we, you know, these two episodes are are really packed with a lot They're of stuff. They're jam packed with information. They're jam packed with action. They're jam packed with great story reveals. Mm-hmm. You know, only a tiny smidgen of which we've even addressed. Yes. Uh, you know, good. yeah, there's some doozies, but we're trying to be good, good people, Dagnabbit, <laughs> because it matters to us that these things are a big shock and surprise to you. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we don't want to give too much of it away. So yeah, we don't want to give too much of it away, just in case yeah. you haven't seen it yet. Um, if you right. haven't seen it yet, what are you waiting for? Right, right. Like um. <laughs> you know, if you this this may not necessarily be of directly of our culture as black people, but it is definitely for the culture. It right. is definitely something to be uh, applauded and praised. Um, you know. It's, it's, it's fantasy with Black people integral to the storyline based upon some of the oldest stories in the history of the world. Yep. Like, yep. story nerd would love that. Like, what story nerd, what, no matter the platform, you know, writer, director, you know, you love reading books, whether you're an English teacher, what story nerd would love that? You know, it's, exactly. it's man. Yep. All right, I'm, yeah. No, exactly. No, I think we're both story nerds, so this is like really yeah. Cool. They can yeah. figure it out on this. Right. Um, and I, I, I just absolutely love all of it. Um, so I want to before we go, I wanted to to just kind of declare a little bit of a winner. You know, the Shadow League. We know you guys have that competitive sports thing going on. Well, you so, know, so I wonder if we can like tally. <laughs> you know, if we can like tally. You know, who do you think won like episode one? Uh, who got the best? Who like best? Who in? won episode one? Sheesh! There was a lot of L's in episode one. It was. Uh, Did anybody <laughs> win episode one? There was a lot of L's. At the buzzer, though, right there. It, at, the it was at the buzzer, yeah, at the buzzer. Ah, the new gods. They got the last trick shot yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, it's the new gods. It's the new, new gods. gods. Yeah, it had to be new gods for episode one. New gods. Yeah. What do you think about episode two? Well, in episode two, I think um, it's it's going to be the old gods uh, by a hair. Uh, just based upon the way that the episode concludes and the information that we get uh, regarding the the evolution of a pivotal player. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think I think definitely old gods, old gods are revitalized at the end of this episode. By the yeah, action. I think you're right. I think you're right. Because, I mean, that whole, the whole backstory into Shadow and, 
and even the you know the little the little reveals we have about his connection to Wednesday that's a tremendous amount of information and that's mm-hmm. that that shows that shows a lot about the, where the power from the old gods um the power that they're hiding that they that mm-hmm. shadow didn't even know he had um mm-hmm. so i think i think you're right i think i think we're tied episode 1 to new gods and episode 2 to the old gods right right so, well we're going to see uh you know what's going to come in, in the episodes to come and i it's going to be my pleasure to talk to you about them it's wow yeah my pleasure as well we're going to be coming back next time from um on uh the next episode of our podcast um the snowflake that's me and the cynic that's me (laughs) ruin the (laughs) movies um we're going to be coming back to you with american gods episodes three and four so um, we'll give you a little bit of time. Go ahead and watch breathe. and come back. Go ahead and breathe. Get your asthma inhaler out. You know, yeah. take a couple of aspirins. You know, go ahead and rewatch again because I know we probably said some stuff. You're well, like, of course, we watch again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then come back. Um, and so, I mean, you guys, if you have any questions, comments, or you just want us to just you know keep this conversation going, you can hit me up at Black Girl Nerd, Black Girl Nerds on Twitter and where can they find you at ricky they can find me on instagram at rick r-i-c-k writer renegade all one word and on twitter at nikos n-i-k-o-s mighty m-i-g-h-t-y dad d-a-d thank you guys we'll see you next time thank you later the black girl nerds podcast is produced by jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.